CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment, and welcome to a special nostalgic episode of Totally 80s. We love hearing from you, so why not take a second to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram, or email us your comments and show ideas to podcast at totally80s.com. So yes, I said nostalgic. So today we are going back in time to the era of conspicuous consumption, when the place to be was the Sherman Oaks Galleria, or at the very least, the hottest hangout in town was your local food court right in between the orange julius and hot dog on a stick the era of as tony basil might put it shopping a to z the long lost world of 80s malls so joining me today for this virtual mall walking exercise down memory lane are two very special guests the first one is someone who's been on totally 80s before on the fashion episode of course so she obviously knows her stuff when it comes to malls actress comedian activist author and fierce fashionista margaret Cho. hey margaret welcome back Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk about this. I am so excited. I got my shopping list of things to talk about. But before we get started, we have another guest that is my honor to welcome to Totally 80s, the original Valley Girl who put the Galleria on the map, whose signature song just got reissued for its 40th anniversary, artist, actress, singer, author, and 80s royalty, Moon Zappa. Welcome to the show, Moon. This is such a treat. Thanks for having me. I mean, you know, I'm from the Valley and I don't think I even realized I was from the Valley until I heard your song because I just, I didn't have an awareness that I lived in. It wasn't even the 818 then, it was still the 213. It's kind of sad that I get like nostalgic for old area codes. Like, remember when it was the 213? But yeah, this was like an absolute zeitgeist capturing song and the Sherman Oaks Galleria, probably arguably the most famous mall in America besides the Mall of America, was a big central plot point in in this uh in this song. I imagine that like actual like uh there were more people attending. Attendance at the Galleria went up after after the Valley Girl came out. I don't know if you have any stats to to back that up, but I'm just going to guess that. No, I mean I was I was just excited to come on the show, talk to Margaret, an old friend, and to talk to you about the mall culture, just because I I feel like something that's hidden inside that culture is our desire to connect with other humans and to observe humans in their in another habitat and mm-hmm. that cultural anthropological side of it that's so natural to everybody, whether you build your world around sports or if you start a cult or whatever your thing is that makes you want to see what other people do in that setting. I think that. Uh, the mall, for whatever reason, the mall uh, is, I think, an everyman location. It's just a weird place. It's it's a place, uh, location, 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 and storytelling. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It makes me kind of sad that kids today, I don't mean to sound like, you know, an old man yelling at a cloud or get off my lawn, but, you know, kids today don't, I mean, malls exist, but they don't go to the malls as their place to hang out. They're, they congregate online. 
most of us do our shopping online now, but all of us came from mall culture. So I'd love to sort of talk about our early 80s mall memories. Margaret, I'd love, I, you didn't grow up in LA like Moon and I did. You grew up in Northern California, but was mall culture really big where you were growing up? was and I had cousins that lived in Huntington Beach so our mall was Westminster Mall and that mall was everything like it was like everything and I was um just watching a movie um an 80s movie called Smooth Talk starring Laura Dern where they go to the mall and it was just like that experience of putting your hair and putting the comb in reverse so that you had the hair up like here and then <laughs> or push. the banana clip or a banana clip or the scrunchie or a scrunchie and um, getting a purse, like getting all your stuff out of a backpack and putting it into a purse. And then I still have my lip smackers, which I'm mm. so living in the 80s. These are like the Sprite, Cherry Coke, Vanilla Coke, Fanta lip smack. So it's so mall. My purse was a Le Sport sack. Yes, which I still carry a sport sack at times, but it's like that everything was about going to the mall like it was the nightclub. Yeah, I was about to say that it was our clubs. Yeah, I planned my outfits like weeks in advance what I was going to wear to the gallery. Or I also went used to go to the Topanga Mall in Woodland Hills. I liked that one because the food court overlooked an ice skating rink. And uh, so you could like have your hot dog on a stick while watching people skate. So, yeah, it was it was exciting. And I mall still exists. The Galleria is kind of just an, an office park now, which is sad. The Phantom Planet actually wrote a song about it when the Galleria kind of got renovated and and really decimated in 2002. And there's a few other malls that still exist. But, you know, there, I go to the Beverly Center now, which was a really is like kind of still the biggest mall in LA. And it's like empty when I walk through, it's like a ghost town. It's kind of sad, but what are some of your early memories about hanging out in the mall? Do you have any like mall adventures? I can't talk about the mall without talking about my Con Air Yellowbird hairdryer, which was part of the, the prep. It First of all, it still runs. This is before planned obsolescence. And they just made this thing that just did not stop. And I was, I mean, I still, I like if they made that model again, I would, I would buy it for everyone because it just keeps going. And, and how many objects can we say that about, but that hairdryer, it always connected me to the most fun events that uh, were part of growing up. And I mean, still, and then, and then as a parent, I was still blow drying my own child's hair with this thing. So I, the the nostalgia, that love of preparing, you know, anointing the self to then go have an exquisite experience someplace. And whether you take yourself to a mall and and the mall, that particular mall, the, the Sherman Oaks Gallery for me was it was a way station between catching the bus to the beach. You had this double wonder of being able to go there then catch another bus, go to the beach and then return to the mall and then go home. So it was a like that when you just land at that touchstone place that just that like the home base. That's the word I'm trying. Thanks, menopause home base. (laughs) It's very ritualistic where you like anoint yourself, you prepare your body and then you go have this journey. And it's a very like rites of passage, but it's also very ritualistic and almost religious where you're kind of experimenting with this idea of adulthood. You know, my object was a curling iron that you put water in and steam would come out of it. Ooh. 
And I actually just saw somebody using one on TikTok. They had found an old one and it, at like a thrift store and it worked still. Those objects really do still uh, work. No planned obsolescence there. It was built to last. Yeah, the other thing too was uh, if you grew up, and I'd love, I would love to see the stats on this. I feel like if you grew up in a house that didn't have object constancy, which is a developmental stage where you are supposed to be able to, your family stays put, you have a little adventure, and then you return. And if they stay put, then you know it's safe to go explore further and further. Oh, it's like that Amish thing, Rum Springer, where people like go out into the wild, but they can come home if they choose. Yeah, that's the that's the, the the later version of it. But if you didn't have object constancy, which is again a, de- a developmental stage that many of us don't uh, get, then you might have had something called objects constantly. And so then you <laughs> learn to equate love with acquiring stuff. And so again, until you come to those awarenesses, then you're already on that trajectory of looking outside of yourself and peacocking. What's so funny to me looking back now is that. I mean, the people that I would connect with at the mall, the boys I tried to meet were so subpar and so <laughs> disconnected from everything. So it's like, do all the work, all the work for it. such a tiny result. So <laughs> uh, my first date was actually at the Galleria when I was 13. I, I It was actually probably one of my best dates. It was probably like all downhill from there. First of all, real quick aside, the reason we even got together was a kid. It was out on the first day of school. My friend Karen came. She knew I loved Duran Duran. She came back to school. Uh, and she said, oh, I was at summer camp over the summer. And there's a, a guy at school named Corey. He dresses exactly like John Taylor. Like he has a fedora hat. He's got the jazz shoes. He wears like, you know, leather pants. I'm like, what's his number? Like, I literally was like, give me his number. There's no one at my at my school that looks like that. Cold called him and basically asked him out to the Galleria. And this worked. This was my first boyfriend. It's never worked since me being this assertive, but it worked at this age. So we went to the Galleria, met up. And it was kind of a dream date. We went to the uh, Time Out Arcade, you know, played Galaga, played Centipede, played Pac-Man. God, I'm really dating myself. We ate at the McDonald's in the food court. We went to Walden Books. I definitely, when we're talking about, you know, objects constantly, there's many stores I want to talk about that were at these malls. Walden Books is where I stocked up on all, you know, my, the week's Tiger Beats, Teen Beats, Smash Hits, Star Hits. And then I think we went to Licorice Pizza. Which, side note, it bums me out that the movie Licorice Pizza had nothing to do with that store. I thought it was going to be basically like a a movie entirely about the store. But Licorice Pizza is a great record store. Bought some Duran Duran posters. It was a good day. And sorry, this is TMI. This luckily did not happen at the mall. But later when I got home that night, I got my period for the first time. And I was like, I'm a woman. I have (laughs) spending money to buy Duran Duran stuff. I have a boyfriend. Like, I felt like, I mean, talk about rite of passages. And it all, I think about this every time I drive by the Galleria, you know, the shell of the Galleria that's left. But there were, I know we keep talking about the Galleria, but besides the fact, obviously, it's mentioned so prominently in the song Valley Girl. You know, Margaret, you were talking about that movie. What was it called? The Laura Dern movie? Smooth Talk. So that was a movie that did not feature the gallery, but the Galleria was in a lot of movies, obviously Fast Times. I believe it was in the movie Valley Girl. It was even in Chopping Mall, which is a horror movie that we talk about on the Halloween episode that we just had for Totally 80s. And that was my happy place. Absolutely. So speaking of happy places and objects, con- what would you say, Moon? Objects constantly? Objects constantly versus ob- object constancy. Yeah. 
I bought a lot of stuff that did not last, like, you know, Gumby dolls and stuff, but there were, uh, and you know, earrings and stuff, but I want to talk about some of the stores at your local malls. Okay. So a store that just terrified me, it was like looking into the future. I didn't want to see was Leza Adzer. It was for mature women. It was like giant chunky jewelry and caftans. And of course now I'd be ecstatic to go because it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was all the stuff that, that I was like, oh no, if it doesn't work out, you end up as a pottery lady and you wear those things and you, you, you just, you just, you know, you make ceramic bowls. And now I'm just like, that's genius. That sounds the best. I can't, I want to go. Can I get on the mailing list? Like I need to be, <laughs> I need to be in there. I love that. <laughs> What about you, Margaret? Where did you spend your allowance? Well, I definitely love, there was a store called Judy's, which I think later, I think it became Contempo Casuals. I know Contempo Casuals became Wet Seal. I'm wearing a Contempo Casuals t-shirt from Redbubble as we speak. I wish it was vintage. I have lots to say about Contempo, but I do remember Judy's. I remember the logo. One thing I really liked back then is the bags that you would get at stores were actually really cool looking. The Judy's bags, the contemporary casuals bags look like Picasso paintings. Like I would save the bags and actually use them to yeah. tote stuff around as a little like kind of like low budget status symbol that I had like my little contemporary casuals. But Judy's had some cool stuff. I used to shop there. The aspirational tiger print uh, mini mini skirts. That that was, that was. Oh like, yeah. 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 yeah, I love, and I love a headband. Like I would do a headband now. I think it looks so good and actually very modern still. Like it's just, there's something about it that's really, it's Duran Duran, it's Sheena Easton, it's Olivia Newton-John. Um, Absolutely. But it's also, to me, it's also pretty, I love when a man wears a headband. It's so great. My boyfriend, the one who dressed like the John Taylor, he was known to rock a headband from time to time. It was true love. In some ways, it's like a casual tiara, fabric or elastic tiara, <laughs> just to- Yeah. <laughs> I would say that, I, seriously, like at least half of my wardrobe is aspirational in the sense that it was stuff that I could not afford to get at the mall or my parents would not let me get at the mall. And so like now I get it now, but Contempo Casuals was a big one for me. It was just, you know, a paradise of, it was kind of, what was the name of the store you said, Moon, that was the, for the older women, the women of a certain- Contemporary casuals was the opposite of that. It was, you know, youth clothing. I guess it was kind of like what now we would say is H&M or Forever 21. It was, you know, fast fashion or whatever. I remember going there to buy a sort of like blonde page boy, Louise Brooksy Bob wig because I had seen them in the Suicide Blonde video for NXS. And they were selling them at Contempo Casuals. And I absolutely had to get that. I, that was absolutely my favorite store in terms of clothing. There was another store, not in the Galleria. I don't know if Margaret remember this one, but you might, Moon, because it was in LA. It was at the Century City Plaza Mall. It was called Heaven. Mm-hmm. It had the best logo. I have a I have a red bubble heaven shirt too. I'm I'm in the process of like every you know logo t-shirt. I need a Camp Beverly Hills one, by the way. I still don't have that one. But they had the coolest logo and like it was just the t-shirt. I don't know like who did their marketing, but like you would see Freddie Mercury wearing the t-shirts, you'd see Divine, you'd see Sharon Stone. It was kind of like a Spencer's gifts, and I have a big soapbox to get on about Spencer's gifts, the bendy gumby dolls and lava lamps and like kind of like novelty stuff. But the logo just looked like the most beautifully 80s kind of new wave punk like paint brush stroke thing ever and it was very aspirational in me I it was I grew up in the valley obviously I did not have a car yet I was too young so like it was a pilgrimage to get a ride to heaven was heaven to me do you remember that store either of you 
Yeah, but uh, when you when you finally got a snobby attitude about your the mall that was so beloved five seconds ago, uh, then you then you might venture out to Boingo on Ventura Boulevard or mm-hmm. Flip uh, on Melrose. Flip of Hollywood. And um, Fiorucci and- mm-hmm. um, I love Melrose Retail Slut. Yeah. That goes into the early 90s where Melrose was everything. Also. Melrose was kind of like a mall. Betsy Johnson was the other- Betsy, Betsy Johnson, amazing. Betsy John- yeah. And actually on Melrose, Olivia Noon-John, speaking of which, had her store, Koala Blue. I have a Koala Blue sweatshirt that from the day. That one's actually real. I live near Melrose now. I can assure you that it's very different from how it was in the 80s. That was aspirational to me too. It's not technically a mall, but it felt like an open air mall. It was just like, you know, blocks and blocks of the most amazing punk rock boutiques and stores. Can we talk about Spencer Gifts for a second? It's where I got my ears pierced when I finally at age 11 got permission to do it. Spencer Gifts is where I bought the Valley Girl Handbook, Moon. Remember that? (laughs) That was a novelty store. It had like, you know, the strobe lights, the mirror balls, the adult section that with the adult like novelty toys, like a lipstick that you open it up. It's actually like a penis or something. They absolutely didn't police that section. Like, I, you know, kids were completely walking into it. And yeah, they, they had the Valley Girl Hamburg. They had the preppy guide. You remember that, Margaret? The guide to like preppy life. Yes. Was Spencer's a phenomenon for either of you? I don't think that there was a Spencer's in the. I can't remember it. I mean, I think now it, in my mind, it's melding with a hot topic or headlines, which is a very 80s store, which would have like the thousand dollar sculpture of Wasudo Grace Jones. I would have gone that. That would have been aspirational for sure. Yeah, kind of a combination Z gallery, but also Spencer's gifts. So it had all the sort of jokey gift stuff, but then it also had like furniture. Or like the clock that would have the cat's tail that moves. and (laughs) So much junk. Objects constantly. Objects constantly. It was cowboys and poodles, by the way. I looked it up. Oh, cowboys. Right. Okay, that's right. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't a Spencer's person because I think my my real self wanted to spend my time at the Bodhi tree, sadly. If they had a Bodhi tree at the mall, I would have, I would have been in the esoteric section of the mall. What about the psychic eye bookshop? Yeah, that was that was, you know, for a for a crystal or a the eye that wards off evil. By the way, I want to say a licorice pizza, while it didn't have the actual record store, that movie absolutely, besides a fast times, captures a time so magnificently. And I think they just they captured the spirit of that time. Yeah. Truly flawlessly. I, that's a masterpiece of storytelling. I just absolutely love that film. So I, I had to just make sure. <laughs> Didn't you say that you have this kind of dream, which I think is a dream within reach to have Haim and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson make a new music video for Valley Girl? Yeah, that would be that would be ideal. That'd be optimal for me. But, you know, if that's uh, when when I'm God, when I run the world, then these things will be organized. <laughs> what other memories do you have of malls the food giant chocolate chip cookies cinnabon and what else was i mean it was like pretzels and the hot dog on a stick and orange julius baked potatoes right you just go get wasn't there a place where you could just get a baked potato just wasn't there something that was like a that's all they did i recall that well for me orange julius was my jam orange julius and i usually would you know get a little rebellious and have a strawberry julius they, they had other flavors of fruit but that actually made me feel like i was having it a health shake or whatever but that was like very exciting for me to just go and like you know the the aroma of it and see them making and seeing like the shake like frothing in the blender and like the anticipation i don't know what it was it was a simple pleasure but and the hot dog on a stick was the other one i mentioned there were people who like 
kind of fetishized the outfits that the hot dog on a stick girls would wear, the kind of like. Well, and also endlessly riding the escalators and the elevators. It was like a lot of a lot of up and down. Yeah, going up between the floors. That was like a major thing. So you could like see and be seen. The catwalk, essentially. That was what it was. But the hot dog on a stick, the outfit, I did a shoot. It was like in the early 90s. I think it was for interview magazine and the stylist was trying to get a hot dog on a stick outfit and they couldn't get one so they applied for a job and got a job and worked there and then just stole it oh my god that's (laughs) punk rock so and then just like quit with the hat and everything and i couldn't find it but i'm like oh i don't think they wear them anymore because i was at the hot dog on a stick i still love going to the mall near me which is the glendale galleria always outshined by the americana but I actually really think it's great. So they, they have a hot dog and stick, but I don't think they wear the outfits anymore. But I didn't see anybody manning the counter, so I wasn't sure. There was a Judy's at another mall in the Valley. And I remember they had places where you could sit down, which I thought was, uh, now you just, you don't see that. But I remember there was an elderly woman. I mean, you know, she's probably my age, you know, but she's like a million years old. And my tiny sister had wandered off in the, in the, in the Judy's. And I, I saw her talking to this, this woman, I, I rushed over and my sister probably age four was, was saying, go like this. Let me see your teeth. Do you don't have any teeth? Why don't you have any teeth? And I'm like dying only the, the only way that a teenager can just be mortified on behalf of someone else. And like, Oh no. And she was like, what can you eat? And it was just like this. She was just just assaulting this woman in the in the Judy's, and so that's that's actually my real association with the with the Judy's. It just makes me laugh to think about the uh, the Inquisition. My biggest mall mortification story is I'm short. I'm only five feet tall now, and I was shorter then as a kid, and I looked a lot younger than I was, despite me trying to slather on makeup or dress to look older. And I was with a friend of mine who was unusually tall and an early bloomer, already had boobs and stuff, and we were hanging out in the mall. And we saw some cute boys from her like Hebrew school or whatever. And, you know, so we went up to, you know, attempt to flirt. And one of them said, oh, are you babysitting today? And they weren't being dicks or whatever. They they legitimately thought she was with like, you know, a nine-year-old or something. And I was so horrified. But I love uh, to go back to the escalator thing I want and the food thing. Quick food thing I want to say is I'm vegetarian now, but back in the day, I loved Hickory Farms at the mall because they were always giving out free samples. Something I did back then, it was I would get stoned and then we would just go to Hickory Farms like a bunch of times, like just, oh, oh, samples as if we hadn't been there three times that day. And we would eat these like samples of these like terrible, like smoked meats that were like on toothpicks and stuff. But speaking of weenies, uh, you'd get on a party line and then you'd maybe meet some boy from a school that didn't go to your school and you'd meet at the mall and then you'd pick a designated area and they you describe what the other person was going to be wearing. And then you'd see that person and then not go say hello. <laughs> not go say hello. No, because you, you'd you assess from the, the, you'd ride the escalator be like, oh God, I think that's him. There's no way I'm going through with this. Party lines were like the old Tinder before there was Tinder. I forgot about party lines. Oh my God. But when you said the escalator thing, it reminded me of the video. It was early nineties, but the video for free fallen by Tom Petty, which was actually shot at the West side uh, pavilion in, in West LA where he's going up and down the escalator the whole time. And I do, it is quite a dramatic arc as he's, he's going up and that gets me thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, because I'm speaking from my personal experience, talking about like Valley malls, 
But there were a lot of good malls in what we now call the 323. And the one that is still around and still, you know, reasonably successful is one I just mentioned, which is the Beverly Center. We had the multiplexes, which was so outstanding. I think they still exist. I don't go to the Beverly Center that often anymore. There is a wet seal there, I do believe. And there's a Sephora there. So like there is a reason to go. But the Beverly Center was exciting because it was across the street from a club called the Odyssey, which was a really big, you know, cool, like new wave dance club that actually like burned down mysteriously. Somebody needs to make a movie about the Odyssey. Lenny Kravitz and people like that used to go. It was like a teen dance club that lost its dance license and then mysteriously burned down shortly after that. But it was across the street from the Beverly Center, and that was a cool place. But I wonder if any of you remember the Depeche Mode riot at the Beverly Center. Margaret, do you remember that? Oh, no. Gosh, was it at the warehouse? Yes, the warehouse, which is another now defunct record store. Yes. I mean, that's the only place that I could picture it being. But that's so. <laughs> that would have been the Beverly Connection then which was across the street from the Beverly Center. There you go. So this was 1990 when this happened. And if you go on YouTube, you could see like videos of news reports of it where, you know, Richard Blade, the K-Rock DJ is defending going, it's not our fault because I guess K-Rock sponsored it. But it was 1990, whatever album Depeche Mode had out at that time, they did an autograph signing at the warehouse, warehouse spelled W-H-E-R-E, house. And- For some reason, no one realized that Depeche Mode was so huge in March 1990, coming out of the 80s, that, of course, there was going to be a mob scene. There was going to be a large crowd. And eventually, at like 10 p.m. or something, the mall was closing and not everybody got to go in and and meet the guys. So there was a when I say riot, I don't actually mean like riot, like people were really scared. If you watch these YouTube news reports, the tone of the newscaster is kind of whimsical the way when they're talking about like, the same tone of voice I'd have if like a panda was born at the zoo. Like, oh, a bunch of goths rioted on Beverly Boulevard. It wasn't really that scary, but like they were upset. They didn't get to meet their poodle-haired, eyeliner-wearing British heroes. So that was a big musical moment for malls. Well, the other thing about that mall in particular, Beverly Center, they had a pet store. So the big thing, it was basically a, essentially a petting zoo uh, at the mall. You'd go, you'd meet a friend, and then you'd ask to you know, hold a teacup Pomeranian or something. <laughs> I would try to, to to pet all the little animals that they had. I do remember that. Those poor animals got manhandled quite a bit. I'm sure they were all very tame by the time they were placed in homes. I absolutely remember that. But since we were talking about Depeche Mode and music and malls, I suppose we can't really talk about music malls without talking about Tiffany, who I would love to get on this podcast, maybe for a mall part two someday. But it, when she was 15, this is kind of the interesting marketing. You know, we're, we started off this podcast talking about the fact that this is where kids went at the time. They didn't congregate on TikTok or social media or online. They congregated at malls. Tiffany was 15 at the time and her record label didn't quite know what to do with her. They were like having her sing in clubs to mostly adult audiences. Sing or lip sync because lip syncing was the thing of the day. I mean, what a weird thing to do is to not sing, is to come and just move your mouth to a song. Well, you did a very good job of lip syncing Valley Girl on Solid Gold. I really didn't, but thank you. Thank you for the compliment. Didn't you have notes in that magazine? I had I had all the lyrics printed in the tiger beat that I was holding in my hand. <laughs> but it's it's an impossibly long song to to memorize. You did a good job though. But lip syncing was definitely not the the whole like lip syncing thing. 
uh, obviously on shows like Solid Gold or Top of the Pops, it was there was a like- show that was dedicated to lip syncing too. Oh my god, I've talked about it on this podcast before. It was called Putting on the Hits. If you go back oh. to the podcast that I did with John Hughes and Rachel Lickman about weird TV shows, Put on the Hits was my jam. And actually, the Valley equivalent of the Odyssey nightclub was a club in Woodland Hills or in Canoga Park, I should say, called Phases which I used to go to and phases had a lip sync contest every Friday night. So yeah, lip syncing was absolutely a thing. Tiffany, I think she's a great singer. She's a power singer. I wouldn't be surprised if she lip synced at the mall just because like, where would they have the, you know, amplification to do a proper, like full concert there, you know, like they got this idea to put her in all these, you know, uh, America, America's playgrounds, basically the malls. And she did like three 20 minute sets a day. And from what I've read, Initially, a lot of the people at the mall didn't like it. The people who were shopping at the older store weren't into it. A lot of the, I forget the name of it. What was it called again? Leza Adzer. Okay. The people shopping there probably weren't down with this 15-year-old singing in the middle of the food court. And some of the mall proprietor, the store proprietors weren't into it. But then the song started to take off. And the radio stations in local towns would be like, Tiffany's going to perform at the mall. The video for I Think We're Alone Now, which is totally shot at malls with these girls in the bejeweled jean jackets and the crimped hair all looking like Tiffany clones. After that, I think the stores understood it and that it became a phenomenon. It also reminds me of something I remember in the mid 80s where a mall in um, New York had a Madonna fashion contest that was judged by Maripol, who was like the stylist for Madonna and Andy Warhol. So that happened. Wow. Muzak was, that was what was being pumped in, right? That was, that was the thing that people were preferring. They were like this, I can't, I can only do this weird. Yeah. Until Tiffany came around and and changed the game. I never got to see Tiffany play in a mall. I don't actually know if she did any of the LA malls, but I did do uh, a couple of, I had a couple of celebrity events. I stood in line at the, I don't, I think it was the Galleria, actually. I stood in line to meet Yahoo Sirius, if you remember him, from the movie Young Einstein. He was doing autograph signing. And also, I definitely know this one was the Galleria. I stood in line after watching Eddie and the Cruisers at the movie theater on the top floor of the Galleria to get an 8x10 signed by Michael Pere, a.k.a. Eddie. And I, many years later, like about two years ago, interviewed Michael Pere and found out that was the very first autograph signing event he had ever done. So we were, so there was that. Did you ever have, did either of you have any kind of like, whether it was you being the performer or you being, you know, the fan, any kind of like mall encounters like that? I did an in-store at that Beverly Connection where they had the Depeche Mode riot, but there was no riot. Um, No one rioted for you, Margaret? Nobody rioted, but it was, it was, it was orderly. And I think it was in the middle of the uh, early part of the day. So it wasn't too, wasn't too late. Um, And then I went to an in-store at a warehouse in San Francisco, not at a mall, but it was for Berlin, Mm. who I love, who I still love. And I met Terry Nunn there, which is really exciting. I went to a lot of Tower Records in-stores. I met Squeeze. I went to one in London, maybe at the HMV for Mark Almond. Ooh, That was a good one. But the mall ones, I don't remember going to actually a mall one. I went to the Virgin Megastore in store with Adam Ant, which actually did end with the police breaking it up. 
and because there was too many people. And I also went to Poison at the Tower Records Northridge and somehow finagled my way into the after party and got to eat some cake that was in the shape of, you know, their four faces, like the look what the cat dragged in cover. It was really, whoever did that frosting recreation of the album cover did a very good job. So kudos to them. What about you, Moon? Like, actually, I'm wondering if when you were promoting Valley Girl, when you were like the mall girl age. I'm sure I had to be a judge for the best Val in, at the in the mall or some event like that. But I was just thinking about, I don't know if these count as malls, but I remember a wonderful experience in a shopping setting. I was in a, I guess, like a multi-tiered department store in Japan. And then I was told at the time that children up until the age of five, it's it's a free-for-all. Do whatever you like, have fun, do go crazy. And then there, there's a rigid um, system of, you know, being in uniforms and, and the education uh, that once you're in that system, then you're you're being you're turned into an adult. Uh, <laughs> the, the journey begins. But at that particular department store, there was a, a an origami section. There was somebody that was just there to just didn't speak English. I didn't speak Japanese, obviously, and taught me how to make a box. And a, and I can still make I can still make an origami box. Thank you to a department store. Thank you to shopping. I uh, I didn't have to buy anything, but uh, yet I can make this this little box. You can blow up with your breath. Actually, Moon, it seems you've kind of suppressed your memory of judging that Valley Girl mall costume contest, but that sounded so epic. So I had to look it up. I hope I don't trigger you, but I did use Google just now. And the first thing I found about it was an article on BuzzFeed titled, and I quote, this Valley Girl contest from 1982 may make you lose your faith in America. So apparently just from Google is my friend, I have found out that this quote-unquote ultimate Valley Girl contest was sponsored by the TV show Real People. Shout out to Skip Stevenson. And it took place at the Galleria. And you once said it was a quote-unquote nightmare to judge this search for the nation's most articulate, original, and homegrown vows. Where was I that day at the mall? I should have entered this contest. I'm articulate. I'm homegrown. I grew up in the Valley. But anyway, you'll be relieved, I'm sure to know that footage of this contest has been totally scrubbed by the internet. I cannot find it on YouTube. All the embeds in these articles are dead. So your national nightmare is over. But man, I am really bummed I was not at the Galleria that day. And I'm really bummed to the max that I missed that episode of Real People. Uh, but anyway, to go back to what you were saying about that mall in Japan, I've been to Japan. I mean, I haven't. The most recent time I was there was 2016. But I felt even then, mall culture was still very much a thing there. There were lots of huge shopping centers that were like multiple stories, and absolutely all the girls were going there in these amazing outfits to see and be seen and buy things and and try things on and it was a paradise for me i don't feel as much here and i'd probably i would like to actually at the at the end of this conversation kind of wrap up with theories as to why that's not so much an american phenomenon anymore the other great thing about the mall and i know you both remember this um first of all losing a friend they had those stations where you could go and talk to somebody and have the have the chance to say something on a loudspeaker get found so yes. the idea of being found at the mall was how did we ever find people otherwise because we didn't have cell phones then exactly and then the other part was it was you you just went to go sit on santa's lap right or the easter bunny yes and get completely terrorized by you it. really did the holidays right because you'd, you'd have a holiday experience if you didn't go the rest of the year then you'd have the chance to go and uh, you know get all your your last minute shopping done uh, and and also sit on a stranger's lap 
besides getting like the photos taken by this scary, like mangy Easter bunny that you're sitting on or with Santa, just in general, like those glamour shot mall kiosks? I think there's like glamour shots filters now on TikTok that you can use to like scratch that itch, but it's not the same. It's like such a weird, um, exciting thought, you know, to get that done, but never got to do it. I mean, I don't know about you, but it was a rite of passage, even though we did school photos and stuff. It was a rite of passage that pretty much from toddlerhood on, my mom would take my sister and I to the mall, probably the Depang Mall, maybe the Northridge Mall. And we would go to Sears or JCPenney or whatever and, and get these like shots and we were like sitting on like a block of AstroTurf or something with like some kind of like autumn background makes it look like we're hanging out in like a field or something. There's poppies behind us. All of my childhood photos are of my sister and I doing that. That was like absolutely a thing. And then there were more of the glamour shots where you could get like a Merle Norman makeover when you got a little older and they would like shellac you with makeup and you'd get this like gauze on the lens. That was something I never got to do. But definitely getting your photos taken at the mall is like a suburban rite of passage for sure. I never did the Santa thing, though. I think my parents knew that I would would uh, be a, a little too scared of that. We're talking about a lot of things that are very bygone, you know, hanging out at the food court, these stores that no longer exist. I loved what you were saying, Moon, at the beginning about like the communal experience. Also, you were just talking about in Japan, how they've got, the, it's still, it's still thriving. And I was thinking that what's different in the, in the States with my experience is that you, you'd have like the good store that had the good stuff and then like the knockoff one and then the, the knockoff of the knockoff. And so you'd have these, these tiers of competitive businesses, but I feel like in the Japanese kind of mall world, there's, it's like healthy competition. And it's like, there's a, there's like a fun, I don't know, there's a camaraderie aspect to it. It's not, it doesn't feel competitive somehow. There's something about how there can only be one here. I don't know. There's something <laughs> that I feel contrasted with something else then makes it special. And I remember too, when somebody would say, oh, this is, everyone's buying this thing. I would like, okay, I'm not getting that thing. So <laughs> that it was the, the, the anti-purchase. I think also in Japan too, like there's an idea of like a lot of the homes are multi-generational. And so you don't have a place to actually sort of be not a kid, except for maybe the mall. That's why there's like, you know, or like cat cafes because they aren't uh, able to have like a ton of animals, like in your house, like I do, mm. you know, it's kind of like, there's so much a shared space outside of the mall, like in a home setting that they're looking for a place to go and be the age they are. So that- yeah, Oh yeah, that, that was a piece I've missed. The, the, the yeah. kids got to touch all the toys and open the boxes and try the stuff out. And I was like, amazing that there was the, just this in, enthusiasm for like interact with the thing where here it's like, don't touch. If you break it, you buy it. For the, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, when I talk about this bygone era in America, at least of the 1980s, everything's changed. I mean, we have the holidays coming up. It's shopping season. I personally love, I may not go to the mall Santa, but I personally love to shop in person and browse. But a lot of people prefer online shopping. You know, we talk about the warehouse and licorice pizza. We all know that a lot of brick and mortar record stores no longer exist or are hurting ditto for bookstores, like every possible way you could consume objects constantly has changed to be done online and, you know, the convenience of it. For me, though, as much as I loved shopping at Judy's and Contempo and Spencer Gifts, it was more about 
the social aspect of it, the socializing with friends, meeting boys, hanging out the food court, which also has sort of gone online for the, for generation Z. But, you know, I guess I just want to sort of wrap up by speaking with you guys about what are kids missing out on that they don't have this mall experience that, you know, was so nostalgic for us. And by the way, since I keep using the word nostalgic, I want to say there is an amazing Instagram account called Mallstalgia. That's all photos, like vintage photos of 80s malls, beautiful photos, like found photos of malls in their best, most pristine natural states. But yeah, the question I'm trying to ask is, what are kids missing out on these days? Mall smells. There's like a weird new merchandise smell that's kind of like I'm not sure what it is, but you know it when you smell it and it smells very neutral, but also not. I'm not sure what it is. It's like carbon or if it's like paper or if it's a plastic thing. It's just almost like um, uh, a white noise of a smell. It permeates every new object that comes out of a mall or department store. Hmm. Is it like a Bath and Body Works sort of type of smell? That's another smell. Then, then you have like the a Body Shop Dewberry, <laughs> like the very specific banana conditioner, banana conditioner, or like for me, it's um a Clinique smell of like any fragrance of like you know Prescriptus fragrance. Calyx <laughs> is a very evocative smell. A Nordstrom makeup smell. All of the perfumes that are like kind of on um, sort of display and being sprayed. Sprayed on you as you walk by, as they hand you like a paper litmus stick. Yeah. No, but it, Margaret, you're so right about that that smell because you, if you order something online, you you get one item maybe. And, but if you're in the mall, it's the wall of smell. And then you also get asked if you want that to be gift wrapped. And so you're missing out on that opportunity oh, yeah. well, to just to have that completely arbitrary overshare while waiting to have your credit card process or have the thing removed from the thing and then walk through. And then for a moment, you feel like you're a, a, a thief because you, the, that thing goes off the, that, you know, that, that jolt to your nervous system because the tag is still on an item you did pay for. Yeah. There's uh, every, every, every opportunity to, uh, to interact with commerce. But you know, the, the, the other thing too, about the online shopping though, is the, the checkout and the add to cart and the checkout, at least with online shopping, you absolutely see the words that you are checking out of your body to have this experience. <laughs> and reminded you, return to self um, is, I think, um, more available because when you're in the mall, you might get caught up in the in the peer pressure of like, just get the thing. Because that was that was uh, another passion of mine was to go right before the store was closing to have that adrenaline thing. I'm like, must get the thing. <laughs> I, I love the add to cart adrenaline as well. But since we keep using the word aspirational, what I really liked when I was a kid and went to the mall was, yeah, I probably infuriated a lot of shop girls at the time, a lot of boutique retail workers, because I would try on a bunch of things I had no intention to buy, no ability to buy, no, no income to buy. And I would try on all sorts of cool outfits. I wish we had cell phones then because then I would have absolutely been taking, you know, photos in the dressing room. But that was 
a really fun thing to do. I mean, every 80s teen romance rom-com movie has some kind of vignette in the middle, some set to a new wave song of people trying on a bunch of, you know, especially if there's a makeover involved in the movie of them going to the mall and trying on a bunch of clothes and having their friends go thumbs up or thumbs down. The triptych mirror where you can see your ass while <laughs> at the back of yourself. Uh, they're missing out on that, that experience. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, just in general, the thing that I, you know, liked about mall culture in the eighties is the fact that as, as you put it, Margaret, that they were for, for kids, they were basically our clubs. They were the place to hang out, whether that was, you know, going to Hickory farms or going to, you know, orange Julius or going to Spencer gifts or whatever. And I don't know if there uh, is a place like that or, or a phenomenon like that in real life, brick and mortar style for kids now. I don't know. Maybe there is, but they're not the malls. When I go to the malls, I just see like, you know, mall walkers basically. Yeah. I don't think there is. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's really an obsolescence kind of that thing of like, not just object obsolescence, but it's like space obsolescence. We don't have those spaces anymore. What are your best childhood mall memories? Well, my friends got arrested for shoplifting, but I was the one who had, uh, I had gold jewelry that they had like put in my um, pocket. And we just, for, I didn't even really know that it was there. And so I, I ended up getting away with all the stuff, but they got arrested. Oh no. Um, which was really scary. I mean, it was dumb, like, but it was also like this accelerating thing when we were like probably like 13 or something. It was super scary. People who were actually like looked like shoppers or like two women who were actually detect store detectives. They stopped us. So that was very exciting. It wasn't a great experience, but it was a very uh, legendary memory. I have to ask you, what was your favorite outfit to wear them all since you're like such a fashionista and you even knew what a, a lamb chop sleeve was? That was an educational experience <laughs> well, for me. It was a double tiered mini skirt that was uh, green and army green and white striped. So it was like it is band and then sort of like the peplum skirt yep. and a, like a denim jacket and really short cowboy boots, which now I realize that's so fashion forward. Mm-hmm. To think about really short cowboy boots and like a short skirt. The 90s silhouette in the 80s, probably 1981. So that was very modern. You've always been ahead of your time, Margaret. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Moon? What are your like favorite mall memories? Mall nostalgia? I mean, again, I'm just thinking about the space itself, riding the escalators and the, the elevators and and how that's like the best we can do in terms of the, the ceiling height here in, in <laughs> the U.S. But you get to Europe and then you see these buildings where the original architects that started building the thing, they don't get to see the completion. 500 more years have to pass in some in some cases. And then you that's the only other place where you see these gigantic structures and these 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 vaulted ceilings. And and of, of all the ceilings that you could see, I don't know, it just it just makes me think about space and how we. Because uh, then the next demonic thing that happened was uh, the mini mall. So that's for mm. another time. <laughs> we'll have you back for the mini mall episode, maybe for totally nineties. <laughs> if we ever do a totally nineties podcast. In the meantime, it's been great talking about like all of these these memories of a, a what I think was a really fun time in in pop culture. What are you guys uh, working on now, Moon? I know you just reissued the fortieth anniversary of Valley Girl. I'm working on my memoir. Oh my God, I cannot wow, wait. Oh, I can't wait. That's great. That's so exciting. I can't wait to read. 
Do you know when it will be coming out? Anybody? I do not. But you'll you'll know when I when I when I know. Please keep me posted. And what about what about you, Margaret? I'm just doing stand up. I'm so I'm out on the road. I'm going to Chicago in December. Awesome. Well, hit up the mall to get your best fashions for your stage wear because we got to keep these malls alive. It can't just be nostalgia. I want to keep the malls that are still in business alive because I do think they're in important spaces. And, and I, I do think that we do need to sometimes get out of the house and, you know, shopping season's coming up. The holidays are here as convenient. It is to like, you know, buy your stuff online to get all the shopping list complete. There's nothing like going in and smelling that, that new mall or old mall, you know, Dewberry, you know, body shop smell. Love it. I, I got to give a shout out to making something from scratch or just you're enough. <laughs> <laughs> Go to your mall and buy some crafts. <laughs> but no, well, well taken. We don't always have to have objects constantly, but, but like I said, when I went to the balls, it wasn't even about buying stuff. It was just about like being out and about. And I really enjoyed this mall walk down memory lane, this nostalgic conversation with you both. Thanks again to my special guests, Moon Zappa and Margaret Cho. And thank you everybody for listening. Remember to give Totally 80s a rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. And I'll catch you next time. This was Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally 80s. And please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next episode, catch you on the flip side. 